who wisely said, we have been looking so hard at the great fish that we have failed to see the great God that is this Bible, that this book is about. Have you been captivated by this great fish? Or have you been captivated and mystified by the God of great grace that we see in the book of Jonah? Because this, this is what Jonah is truly about. God's amazing and unmerited grace for sinners. For men and women who actively and passively work their entire lives to reject who he is and what he has done for his people. And Jonah reveals that God's grace always moves towards sinners, like the sinners in Nineveh, or the unexpecting sinners, the pagan sailors, even like Jonah. Jonah who flees from a God that calls him to go out and speak his word. The story of Jonah is a story that we know because it's a story about us. It's a story about how God pursues us even when we flee from him. And here's the other hard part about Jonah is sometimes we know a story so well. We've heard a story a million times. And so when we begin talking about that story, we just click off our brains. And we're like, I've heard it all. Now, I'm not asking you, forget everything you've learned about Jonah, except if you think it's a whale. Just forget that. It's a really great fish. We actually don't know, and it's okay not to know. But this is what I ask. Ask that God would reveal himself through his word. Ask that when we come to this book, we might interrogate our souls and that our souls might be enriched through God's word that we might grasp who he really is and who he's called us to be. And may he cause us to become more like him. May we, through the reading of this word, Become faithful and gracious like our God is faithful and gracious. And there's nothing that can cause people like us to become more like him than to truly understand what grace is. There's two things that I want us to see this morning. First, why this book is included in our scriptures. And second, I want us to see how this book fits within the narrative of Scripture. So before we begin, let us pray. Living God, help us to hear your holy word and open our hearts so that we may truly understand. And by understanding that we may truly believe. And by believing that we might follow in faithfulness and obedience, seeking to honor your name, and to bring glory to Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Disassociative amnesia. Disassociative amnesia is a 
disorder where a person forgets key elements about their life. It causes us to break from a full understanding of oneself or their current reality. It's often, often caused by trauma or severe stress. For those of you that are thinking you might have this, it affects less than 1% of the American population. It's as if the brain locks itself and doesn't allow anything to go in or anything to come back out. And in severe cases, individuals suffer from abnormal memory loss in ways that significantly disrupt their lives. They're unable to complete normal tasks. They forget events. They forget where they are or even who they are. And they might forget even their own personal history. And this is what one might expect, that it can cause problems for every area of your life. As we come to the book of Jonah, we need to ask ourselves, have we forgotten who we are? Have we suffered from some type of amnesia? And what I want us to see this morning is the reason that I believe Jonah, that this book is included in the Bible, is because God wants to remind his people who they truly are. This is the, 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 must, the, the must, this is the most important thing we need to see this morning. As much as we like to see that this book is about a missionary guidebook, which we're going to get there, it is a book about a missionary guidebook to the whole world, we must understand that this book is given to God's people to change them, to remind them who they are and who their God truly is. And as an ideal reader, as someone who reads this narrative, we are called to change the way that we believe. We are called to change the virtues and values that we hold dear. We are supposed to change the truths that we believe in and to change them based upon the God that is revealed in this story. Because here's the reality. You're going to read a story about a prophet who nobody likes. A prophet that runs from God when he's commissioned to go spread the message of God's forgiving grace. So as God's people, we're supposed to ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do with this information? What are we supposed to do when we see someone who runs from God when he's been called out to God? The proper response is, let's not be like him. And it's to remind us of who we truly are. We are people who have received the life changing news, the life transforming news that God forgives sinners. This is the message of all of scripture. This is what we as good readers of scripture are supposed to believe. God transforms and changes sinners because he is gracious to us. Not because we deserve it, because he is loving and he is good. The book of Jonah is about this relationship, about this relationship of even when we do run from God, we have a God that loves us and pursues us. As the Old Testament proclaims, Exodus 34, 6 through 7, 
I'm not, don't turn there now, but write that verse down. Exodus 34, 6 to 7. Without this verse, the entire Old Testament doesn't make sense. It proclaims that Yahweh is the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin, but will who by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is the holy God who can visit iniquity upon all of us. But this is the God who has come to us and not treated us as our sins deserve because he has forgiven us according to his promise. Why is this book included in the Bible? Because this book reminds us of who we are. It doesn't just remind Jonah of who he is. It reminds all of God's people. We are recipients of this grace. And this grace will chase after us wherever we go because God is faithful. My question for you is, does that describe you? Have you come to understand this amazing grace? Or over the next few weeks, do you need to be reminded? Do you need to be reminded, on the one hand, that God's grace really is sufficient for you? Or do you need to be reminded that, on the other hand, this same grace is being offered to the entire world? Which leads me to my next point. How does this book fit in the narrative of Scripture? Because if we've truly received this type of amazing, unmerited grace... And if it truly has transformed everything about us, changing us from the inside out, it should call us to change the lives of the people around us. Jonah is very unique. And as I asked the Sunday school class this morning, do you, have you ever heard of the word, words, redemptive history? I told you you better raise your hand. Sunday school? Okay, okay. In redemptive history, we know that God progressively reveals himself throughout history. He's made our understanding of who he is fuller and fuller, culminating in the fullness of time when Christ came born as a woman. Well, this same redemptive history can be understood with our mission, right? That's what Jonah is about. It's about the mission of God. But here's the hard part for us to understand. How does the Old Testament mission of God's people relate to the New Testament mission of God's people? Because what we think, well, what we should think, is that when we look at the Old Testament, God's people were supposed to exemplify God. They were called to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. And all the nations were supposed to come to a knowing and loving relationship with this God by being included in this people. And then in the New Testament mission, we find something that is a little bit different. 
We see that this mission of the church is no longer to bring people in, but to send people out. But here's the problem with this identity of the Old Testament mission as always being about bringing people in. Is that that's not the message that we see in Jonah. That might be the normative. But God is just as loving and just as gracious to the nations in the Old Testament as he is into the New Testament. And this is why we read Genesis 12, 1 and 3. This is where this idea of mission is planted and it begins to grow. God calls Abraham to go, to leave his family, to leave his nations so that he might be blessed in order that he might become a blessing to the nations. So that all of the families of the world might be blessed through Abraham. Because God is always concerned about the transformation of sinners. That's what he's always concerned about. Whether it be people, his people inside his church, or if it's the people on the outside of his church, God is always concerned that they might be changed, that they might hear, that they might know of his saving grace. But look at what we find in Jonah. God doesn't just send Jonah out and say, Go get him, I'll be with you. What does he say? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord. God revealed himself to Jonah, gave him a word, and Jonah is supposed to go unto the nations with that word. It is the word that reveals this God who loves us. It is God's word that we find out about his amazing grace. And it is this word, this word of God that he will use to bless the nations, which means that their sins will be dealt with. That they will find a new identity as God's people. But that is only through the hearing of his words that anyone's sins can be removed. And this book is a story. It's a story of how God graciously moves not only just to his people, but to all the people of the nations. This story is a story to remind us about his gracious and loving and brokenhearted mission that he has for us in Jesus Christ. That he loves broken-hearted, broken-minded, angry, hateful, impure, self-righteous zealots who are unclean, who are unloving, and who only think about themselves. I'm not talking about Jonah. But that this God moves towards us. And here's However unfathomable that sounds, here's what's even more incredible. He asks us to participate in the redemption of his world. He asks us, brokenhearted, sinful, rejectful, hateful people, to participate. God gave his word to Jonah 
God could have just as easily revealed himself to the people of Nineveh, and they would have been, a, been fine. They would have received all they needed. But he chose Jonah. And next week, we're going to find out a little bit about Jonah. And Jonah, as I said, isn't a great guy. <laughs> he gave Jonah the means to bless the world. He gave them his word. And here's how this is important for us. He has given us this same means through the preaching of the word, through the sacraments, which are the visible words, through prayer. He has asked us in Christ's Presbyterian Church to participate in this mission, to go to the world that they might see their sins and that this gracious God loves them and is pursuing them. And here's the good news for us. This mission starts small, right? This mission of transforming lives with the knowledge of God begins small. It begins in our own families. It begins in teaching our children, or sometimes children teaching their parents, of what this grace looks like. And then it gets bigger. Then we have to start looking at the community in which we live. We have to start looking at the region in which our community is involved in. We have to look at our country. And inevitably, we have to look at the entire world. But we must never confuse the gospel ramifications, what the gospel has done with us, rather than the gospel itself. Meaning, it's not just our testimony that changes people. It's the gospel. It's the word of the Lord that changes people. It's when they submit to this new life and all of their interactions change. All of their previous oaths are changed. Everything that they have said, everything that they wanted to be, should change in light of Jesus Christ. Because he calls us to submit to his lordship over our entire lives. And this is my fear as a church, and really as any, any reformed church. Sometimes we get mixed up. Sometimes we think that just by living a good life and by loving God when we go into our community, that we're taking the word there. But if we look at the example that Jonah gives us, it's not just about Jonah and going hanging out with the Ninevites. It's about Jonah taking the word of the Lord. And this is really hard. Because what we see in Jonah's life is that he's unwilling to go. And we have to ask ourselves, are we willing are we willing to take this good news of God's amazing grace and share it with the world? Because it's tempting just to go out and be like, oh, yeah, I go to Christ Presbyterian Church. Hey, we drink wine at communion. You should come to our church. It's really easy to give that message. But it's really hard to talk about the message of, are you a sinner that needs saved by grace? And it gets harder. As I said earlier, you ask anyone in Fayette County about Jonah, 
they might give you a, a small sketch. I mean, it's only 48 verses, right? Everyone knows the story about the great fish. And this is the problem we run into, is that unless their lives have been transformed, unless everything about them has changed because they have come to know Jesus, they need the word of the Lord. God himself said to the Ninevites, they didn't know their right hand from their left, but they still needed God and his saving grace. I pray that from this church, we will all be sent out equipped with the word, that we are so in love with this word that we can't wait to share it with other people. Not that we lord it over, over them. The gospel never gives us a license of, over everyone. The gospel always gives us the tools to change sinners by God's grace. My prayer is that we might be a blessing to the families of the world. That we might receive the promises of the covenant through faith. And that not only Christ Presbyterian Church might be transformed by that word, but that Fayette County might be transformed by that word. That Western Tennessee might be changed by the word of the Lord. That the nations might be changed. Brothers and sisters, God's mission to the world includes calling us to participate. He could have used other means, but he chose to include us, who go into the world, being ourselves transformed by the gospel, being nourished by its grace to spread the good news. It's the grace of God that enables us to go. It's the grace of God that once we get there, we point people to. And as we'll read through this text, even when the people don't go, God's grace will chase after them. And the question, this is the last question I have for us. In the story of Jonah, he received the word of the Lord and he ran away from it. Are we running from what God has called us to? Have we closed our hearts and our minds to ever involve ourselves in acting out what God has called us to do as his people? Why is this book here? To remind us of who we are. How does it fit within the narrative of scripture? It gives us an identity. But it doesn't just give us an identity. It gives us the means by what we are do, called to do to take his word to the nations so that they might know the unmerited love of God's grace in Jesus Christ. We can only do this if we truly understand this grace ourselves. And here's what's so great, is that grace actually enables us to go by faith in Christ. Let's pray.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enable us to hear. Give us eyes to see and give us courage to follow after Christ that we might become less and he might become more. We ask this in his name. Amen. If you'll turn in your Trinity hymnals to page 845 and stand as we confess the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God. You may be seated. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and after giving thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. The Lord's Supper is the second sacrament instituted by Jesus Christ. It is not a re-sacrificing of Christ, but a remembrance of the once-for-all sacrifice of himself to cover us from our sins. This is a sign and seal of God's covenant. It represents and applies everything that we receive in Christ. This supper is also a communal supper. It's a bond and pledge to each other that we promise to follow after Christ. And we actually promise to help each other follow after Christ because we are all here for the same reasons and because of the same reasons. The unmerited grace of God.